Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Would you open your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 3? And while you're turning there, I just kind of want to give you this little bit of an encouragement. Because it's amazing to me that we're reading these letters that were written 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, this Jesus' heart sent to these seven individual churches that actually existed during those days. These are a word of exhortation and and a commendation, and, and also a little bit of rebuke that is there, written to these churches. But in the midst of that, as we study these right now, as we finish these off today, realize that God has a word for you just as sure as he had a word for those churches 2,000 years ago. There's a word that God has for you today. And so maybe you walked in here this morning, and you're struggling with something. Maybe you have some fear, some doubt, some anxiety that you're dealing with. Maybe you're just wrestling with the Lord in your heart. Today, God has a word for you if you'll open your heart and listen to what God's spirit would say to the churches. Amen? So I can imagine being in the shoes of this church, Sardis, that we're going to begin with today. And they just have read the four previous letters. The first church, Ephesus, they get scolded for having left their first love. The second church, second church is really in the midst of persecution and Smyrna is just like really wrestling with their faith and they're being persecuted for their faith. The third church, if you'll remember, is Pergamos and that church was compromising with the world, allowing too much of the world into the church so that you couldn't even tell the church was holy anymore. And the fourth church, the corrupt church of Thyatira, was definitely scolded. Jesus didn't even have anything positive to say to that church. And so I can imagine Sardis feeling pretty confident about itself as they got to their letter, fifth in line. And they open the letter, and they're filled with excitement and anticipation. What does Jesus have to say to us? We haven't left our first love. We haven't compromised with the world. We're not corrupt like that church in Thyatira. What does Jesus have to say for us? And so Sardis would begin their letter reading this with me in verse 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works and that you have a name that you're alive. Pause there just for a second. And I can just imagine them being filled with this. Oh, he's heard about us. Jesus has heard about what's happening in the church of Sardis. We have arrived. He knows we have a name. He's heard of our reputation. And they're patting themselves on the back. He's heard how lively we are, how loud our music is, how flashy our lights can be, how many people are in the parking lot, how many children are in the children's ministry, how many people we're feeding on Friday nights. Jesus has heard about us, how alive we are in the Spirit. But Jesus goes on and he says, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You're dead. It doesn't matter what your reputation is out in the community. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what good the community hears you're doing. It really doesn't matter because I see down into your heart and I see something that's dead on the inside. 
It has the appearance of life, and it looks really shiny and fancy on the outside. And it's appealing to people. People are even coming to your church and maybe even getting saved, but you're dead on the inside. Lord, help us. This church, Sardis, its name, it means remnant. And I find great hope in this. Hear me out. Because even though we're going to read in the beginning this morning about this church that is completely dead on the inside, the church's name is Remnant, which says that even though you're dead, I still see hope in you. There are still some of you who can escape that tendency to live life without being filled with the Spirit. There's still some of you I see that are going to be faithful. And so Jesus gives this revelation of himself to this church. And read what he says here. I love how gentle Jesus is. He says in verse 1, he says, I have the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He says to them, what you're lacking, what you've been searching for and seeking after, I possess. Jesus says to them, I am the giver of life. You realize it doesn't matter how many works you have. It doesn't matter how filled up your calendar is. It doesn't matter if you're busy from the moment you wake in the morning to the moment you lay your head on the pillow in the evening. You can have your day filled with serving God. But if you don't have the spirit, you're still dead. And Jesus says, I'm the life giver. You're dead, Sardis. You have this incredible reputation, but it's not true. You're dead, but I'm the solution. He presents himself and he says, what you need, I possess, and I am more than willing to give it to you if you'll just ask, if you'll just desire it, if you'll just open your heart up to it. He says, I'm the giver of life. I'm the one that you really need. I'm the one that you're searching for and seeking after. He gives this commendation, and it's kind of out of order here, so jump down to verse 4 with me briefly. He says here, This is the good that he can find. This is what he can commend this church for. He says, you have a few names in Sardis who haven't defiled their garments and they walk with me in white and they're worthy. So I see that there are a few of you who have remained pure. There's a few in the midst. There is a remnant. The word remnant, it means those who have escaped. Those who have escaped the monotony, the trap of working for salvation and feeling like that working means that you're alive. There are a few in your midst who have escaped that and I see them. I see that they walk with me in intimacy. I see that they have been clothed in white, that they've been made righteous and pure and holy and that they've clinged to me. I see those. But not everyone was that way. You see, there was a grave correction that Jesus is going to have to bring in. He says, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You're dead. All of those works, all of your effort, all of your trying, all of your sweat, everything that you've been working for, it's not amounted to much because your motive hasn't been pure. Your motive hasn't been pure. You realize it doesn't matter how much we work because God looks down from his throne in heaven and he sees through our busyness. And some of us, God help us, some of us are keeping ourselves busy so that we don't realize the hole, the gap that we have in our hearts that's supposed to be filled with God's spirit. 
We know that something is wrong, and so what we do is we produce works, and we keep ourselves busy so that we're not nagged with that feeling of emptiness inside. And God wants you this morning to wake up and to say, you know what, something is wrong in my heart. I'm dead on the inside. I have this appearance, this facade. I can put on a good show. People wouldn't know the pain that is going on inside of me. They wouldn't see from looking from the outside. They wouldn't see how dead I am on the inside. But I'm dead. It doesn't matter what your reputation is. God is concerned with your character. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is kind of exhorting his disciples on how to pray and how to give. And he says the Pharisees and the scribes, when they give, they like to sound a trumpet in the assembly. And in the midst of the congregation, in the midst of the gathering, they'll sound a trumpet and then give their gift. He says those people have received their reward. But when you give, you do it in secret because your God who's in heaven, he sees in secret. And he will reward you openly one day for that. He sees your heart. He didn't see the work. He sees the heart. He says, when you pray, don't be like the scribes and the Pharisees. They pray standing on the corners of the streets, and they do so loud, and they disfigure their bodies so that they look like they've been fasting and that they're really, really spiritual. But those people, God has seen that heart of deadness, vileness, that they're doing it to be seen by man, and they've received their reward by those people passing by. But when you pray, You go into your secret place and you shut that prayer closet and you go in there and you go before the Lord with your heart and you say, God, this is where I'm at. And your father who sees and hears in secret will reward you openly. See, it doesn't matter what people think of us. Our reputation doesn't matter. What matters is how we look in the eyes of God. Jesus, he reprimanded the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, and he says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're like graves that have been decorated really fancy, and there's lots of flowers, and they're really cleaned up, and it's a huge ornamental tomb, but inside, you're dead bones. That's all you are. That's all you amount to, and Jesus is here offering himself this morning. If that's your heart, he's saying, I have the solution. I am the solution. I am the giver of life, and I want to help you. He told Nicodemus, in order for you to get to the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. Nicodemus scratches his head. What does this mean, Lord? How can a man who's full grown enter within his mother's womb and be born again? It makes no sense. Jesus says, you're not understanding. He was born of the flesh is flesh, but that person that is born of the spirit is spirit. And here's how the spirit works. It's like the wind. And the wind comes And it blows hard, and it changes the landscape all around. You can't see the wind. You can't hear the wind, but the wind is a very real force. What you see is you see the wake of the wind. You see what is left behind once the wind leaves. You see the leaves have fallen. You see the city has been stirred. That's what you see. Jesus says that's what the Spirit is like. If you're alive, if you have the Spirit living inside of you, you're going to be able to see the effects of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 calls it the fruit of the Spirit. 
When you're truly alive, there will be fruit falling from your branches. And in your wake, as you walk by, people will see love and joy and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. These are fruits that will just be naturally falling from you because the Spirit is dwelling within you. This amazing thing happens in Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37. The nation of Israel is in exile, basically in ruin, and the Lord comes to Ezekiel and gives him this amazing vision. And in Ezekiel 37, he sees this this valley of dry bones. Everyone's dead. And he asks Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? And he says, Lord, I don't know, but you do. And he says, here's what I want you to do, Ezekiel. I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak God's word to these bones. And he begins to speak God's word to these bones. And the bones come together, and flesh covers the bones, and they're standing there like zombies, glazed over eyes. They have the appearance of life, but they still haven't been brought to life. And again, God comes to Ezekiel, and he says, can these bodies live? Ezekiel says, Lord, you know he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy to the spirit, prophesy to the wind, prophesy to the ruach. And when he does, he prophesies to the spirit. And then the spirit enters within the souls of these bones that had been dry and dead. And all of a sudden, they come to life. And the nation of Israel is rebirthed in Ezekiel chapter 37 when God's spirit dwells within them. If you're dead this morning, church, it's because you haven't allowed God to fill your every crevice with his spirit. And he says to the church in Sardis, you're dead. Great reputation. You look like you're alive, but you're dead. But I have the solution, and I'm willing to give you that solution. Jesus says, it's to your advantage in John 16 that I go to the Father. Because when I go to the Father, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit And that Holy Spirit is going to be your comforter, your helper, your paraclete in the Greek. He's going to come alongside of you, literally it means. And he's going to walk through this life with you. And you'll never have to be dead or alone again because I will go and I will send you the Spirit. And that Spirit will make you alive like you've never been before. Are you desiring for that Spirit? We all need that Spirit. We all need that Spirit to quicken our hearts. So he says this in verse 3. He says, remember, therefore, how you have received and how you heard the word. Remember how you received it. Do you remember when you first heard the gospel that there was a God that loved you so perfectly and completely, even in your fallen, wretched state, that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross so that you wouldn't have to hang on that cross yourself? He allowed his son to be beaten and bruised and bleed so that you wouldn't have to? The gospel, do you remember how you received that? How it meant life for your very soul? How it gave you hope? How you realized for the first time, I don't have to live this dead life any longer. I can come alive. My life can be changed. My life can be different. Do you remember how you received that? That gospel? It says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, when you've received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men. You catch that? 
You heard the gospel. It wasn't man's word. You welcomed it as the word of God, which also is effectively working in those who believe. God's word is working in those who believe. It's imparting life on those who believe if you'll receive it like that first day you first heard it. Like it was all new again, like you're falling in love with Jesus all over again. You know what's sad and what breaks my heart? Is that in John chapter 6, we see a snapshot of what the world is doing. And the world comes to Jesus. The crowds come to Jesus because he does this incredible miracle and he feeds thousands of people with just a few loaves and a few fish. And Jesus tries to get away by himself and the crowd keeps coming because they want to see more miracles. They want to be entertained. They want their bodies to be fed. This guy did an amazing thing, and I want to see more of it. And he says this. He says, the bread that you really need isn't the bread like you ate the other day. The bread you need is the body that I offer that is broken for you. And the the drink that you need is the blood that will be spilled for you. That's what you need. That's what life is. And the scripture says that this was a difficult saying for the people to hear and that many stopped following him at that point. They just turned away. They left Jesus. No more following after him. No more being disciples. And he turns to those who remain and he says, do you also want to leave? Do you also want to forsake me? Because of this difficult saying. Jesus, looking at Peter, Peter says, Lord, where else could we go? Who else has the words of eternal life? And besides that, we have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Where else could we go? Do you remember when we were like that? When we first heard and believed the gospel, that it was like food for our souls? Where else can I go to hear a message like this? Where else could I turn and find hope and find life and find vitality in my spirit? Where else could I go and see bones be brought back to life? Only in, only in what Jesus has to offer through his word. Do you remember how you first believed? Do you remember how you first received that? He says, remember therefore how you received and heard and hold fast. And here's that word again, repent. Turn away from that life. Turn away from that busyness. Turn away from that dead kind of living and be revived. Therefore, he says this, therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and, will come, and you will not know what hour I've come upon you. The scripture says that we need to be watching and waiting for the return of Christ. And my friends, if you're not living with the fearful expectation that at our next breath, Jesus could be here and we could be in the presence of the Lord, there's something wrong with your life. Do you realize what is happening in our world today? That we are seeing prophetic word, prophetic Bible coming to pass. Go home and read Ezekiel 38 and 39. We saw how the nation of Israel in 36 and 37 are brought back to life. In 38 and 39, it says that once they've been brought back to life, that there's going to be a nation from the north that is going to be brought down to make war and wage war against Israel. And the nations that it speaks of there, it speaks of Russia and it speaks of Iran. And what is happening in Israel's northern border today, just across from the Golan Heights in Syria, is the Iranians and the Russians have come together and they're coming against the nation of Israel from the north 
And the scripture says that the rest of the world, those who are not a part of this, this terrible, this, this wicked alliance, they're going to look to those in Russia, in Iran, in Turkey, and those who will gather together, the Sudan, and they're going to say, have you come to gather the spoils of war? Check this out. This is amazing. Just this last month, Israel discovered this amazingly huge deposit of oil just under its surface, right across the border from Syria. Talk about spoils of war. Talk about a reason for the nations of the world to come against Israel. It's happening before our eyes. And I shared this the other night. My children and I, every night we've been reading in the Left Behind series for kids. And it's, it's been like eye-opening for them. Every night they're just amazed at what the story says and their hearts are like turning and spinning. What do we need to do? What should we do? And so I shared with them what was happening in Israel and my daughter, she claps her hands and she says, I'm excited about what God is doing. She says this and then she says, but we need to start telling people are you living with an expectation that Jesus is coming? We're not going to know the hour, but we can look around and we can see that it's close. And I don't need to know the hour. All I need to know is I need to know the seasons, and I know that the seasons are near, and our hearts need to be prepared and ready for Jesus. Amen? Amen. He says this hour is going to come upon you. Verse 4, we looked at that. There's a few names, even in Sardis, that have not defiled their garments, and they, walk, they shall walk with me in white, and they are worthy he who overcomes, this is the motivation now to the church in Sardis. He who overcomes shall be clothed with white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. It speaks of security there. They're going to be clothed and they're going to be secure. They're going to have righteousness that will be their clothing. And they're going to be secure. Their name will not be blotted out from the book of life. You have to understand that in these days, a Roman citizen, if he was convicted of a, of a very terrible crime, his name would be blotted out from the citizen registry. It was as if that person never existed. His name ceased to exist. And so Jesus here is promising those believers, the fear that you've been living in, that because of your faith, your name's going to be blotted out of the Roman registry, I will never blot your name out. Your name is secure in heaven. No one can snatch you from my hands. Your salvation is secure when you're in me. Amen. So he says you're clothed and you're secure, and this should motivate you in your life. This should motivate you. He says this. He says, I will confess his name before my Father in heaven and before the angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm going to confess his name. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'm going to confess you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, you'll be denied before my Father. That's just not talking about just verbal words. But how about your lifestyle? Is your lifestyle denying Jesus every single day? And I'm not talking about a works-based salvation. If you're truly saved, your works will show it. I believe that. What is your life showing? Are you denying God by the way you live? I'll confess you if you confess me. I'll deny you if you deny me. So we see this is what's happening in the local church. Now, historically, this is amazing. This church, just coming off the tails of Thyatira, which we saw kind of represented the rise of the Roman Catholic Church and how wicked they were and how their priests had become very wicked. What we see here is historically happening in this church is that this church is the church of dead denominationalism. 
You see, there's not only faults in, in Catholicism in the Catholic Church, there's faults in denominationalism, in Protestantism. The word Protestant literally means those who protest, protestants, the protesters of the Catholic Church. And in the midst of this, this movement that began really with a man by the name of John Wycliffe in the, in the middle of the 1300s, he said, I believe that the common man should have access to God's word. And that when he has access to God's word, he's going to be filled with God's spirit and his life is going to change and quicken. He, he, he shouldn't have to go to the priests or to the clergy to receive God's word. And so he translated God's word himself. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.